I'm going to point out a comment here uh, from David Perfect. I guess that's why Frank Oz was used with Del Delgadio. Can you imagine the conversations these two had about how to bring a magic presentation to the successful level of $5 million in ticket sales off Broadway in New York? What? They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys. Just got C-Sec watching that jet. Nice. Up, fellas? And we're here, episode 116 of the Magic Guys. We got Doug Con, Douglas Con, Josh Norbito, and Nick Kay, the professional. Nick in the house. What's up, Nick Kay? All right. What up, friends? Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the sound effects. In lieu you've of that pot. Yeah, you've been here enough now. You know all the sound effects. Love it. I love being on this show. It's one of my favorite things um, just because, uh, you know, you jam with magicians like all the time, but then it's very rare jam with magicians of like, you know, world-class uh, caliber. So being around you two is just so enjoyable for me. It's it's the best. I love it. And I think we have so many listeners, you know, because they want to hang out with yeah. people like us too. And we like hanging out with our friend, our <laughs> listeners as well. So thank I, you. You know, for, I always felt like here. the conversation, the conversations we have are often that of a professional nature, right? And so it is a different conversation you might have at a magic club hangout or even like a just session gathering. And then, That's yeah, the benefit of listeners, they get this. They get this gravy that we, you know, drip from the from the bowl. Mm. Or the mug, yeah, so to speak. Because or the mug. That's a good yeah. mug. A good mug. We have the Nick K sponsored. Look at that. Fully. Hey, mug. I got a mug right here. Oh, Cheers, y'all. Hey, that's a oh, wait a minute. What's going on here? Oh, that's not coffee cups. at all. Mm. This looks oh, like a it. natural segue um, into magic. I don't know. We Actually, could plug me, uh, Adam Wilber's products. <laughs> yeah, let me put a question to the group just with regards to jamming with different types of folk. Obviously, like we are from different elks. Um, one of the most amazing street performers on the planet. Josh Nabita, one of the most amazing performers now doing arenas and everything else. Now, just, just shut up and take it. That's polite. <laughs> and there's folks like myself who's just like you're private and you're corporate. So I consider myself very much a party magician and so forth. Now, when you're jamming ideas, do you kind of, and you ask for advice, do you sometimes think that maybe um, the people would, Let's say that, like, if I was sharing an idea with you guys and I'd say, hey, I have an idea to perform it this way. Do you find more than not when people give their advice? It's more so, like, do it the way I would do it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's very rare that I jam with people who truly understand Nick K as a character and go, you need to do it this way because that's the way Nick K would do it. What do you guys think about that? Serious topic there. That is, yeah, that's you know, very Jim Carrey right there. Here, what, <laughs> I jam with a lot of magicians, right? I have one-on-one -on -one sessions, and I've had a lot of them through the last two years. And over the last two years, they've transformed from my point of view to here's how I would do it to becoming very much a magic therapist and listening mm. to their questions and then asking them, well, how would you do it? And yeah, that's the right way to do it is for the person to have their point of view answer the question. 
Uh, I think this, man, when you're hanging around also a bunch of magicians, maybe not the best group to be asking how to do things. I mean, because everyone's going to, it's like this. Uh, how many magicians does it take to change a light bulb? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred. One to turn the light, 99 to tell them how to do it the right way. You know? Yeah. 99 different methods. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a funny one. Um, for me, it depends. Like in, in the show that I'm doing right now, Joel and I, Joel Fenton and I are always talking about ideas for each other. Um, but because we've seen each other perform a lot, I'm always looking at Joel's acting going, Hey, Joel, have you ever thought about this crazy idea? Cause like you could get away with doing this. Um, and so in that aspect, like when it's, I think when it's someone, you know, like quite well, it's possible to think about it from their point of view, but definitely like if someone says to me, Oh, I need to make a bottle appear in this thing. Like my immediate thought is to say how I do it. But, but, um, you know, I guess you just got to go deeper first, don't you? Like, oh, what do you wear? You know, what kind of bottle is it? There's mm. a certain luxury what when you, you start with a professional point of view and then you have that sounding board as well. When you, you know, you're with your friends, like in The Showman, for example, and you get the opportunity to watch professional presentations and reflect in that capacity, you know? Sometimes it's maybe hard for an amateur to have that point of view. And I don't mean this in a bad way. It's just there's a lot going on in a professional level performance that I maybe, you know, some of the neophytes don't understand. So once you get to that level, you can have a, a better discussion about those things. Uh, yeah. 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 Or just pay, yeah. you know, pay Nick to consult on your work and he'll give you the goal. Man. Best thing a magician can do is pay a regular director to look at their show. Not a magician, a director, director, and be like, what can I do to make my show better? Yeah. And listen to a real person tell you what to do. Because I've consulted yeah. on, on a few shows. I think um, the, the, last, uh, the last big one that I did had been Circus um, 1908, and I was consulting with um, Dave Williamson, and that was a really good time. Um, and it was wow. really nice to get the credit for that and being the – what was the name? Like, it was great. Um, but I was jamming with my friends, um, Sam and Justin, who have the world's greatest magic show, which is doing really big things all around the planet and et cetera. And they were writing this routine. Um, and it was basically this type of high stakes deal in which one will become dead. And it was like, I'll get naked, said Justin. And I was like, but you would get naked. Like if I just dared you to be naked right now, you'd drop your decks and do it. But Sam would never do that. So you got to put the onus on Sam. And then he said to me, Sam will never do that. And I went, that's not my problem. This is what needs to be done. Talk it out and see what's up. And he literally went to Sam and said, here's the idea. Here's what I said. And Nick said, not my problem, but this is how it needs to be done. And with no pushback, Sam went, yeah, he's right. Like, Damn. we have to do it this way. Mm. Right? So, so what's, what's the moral of that story? I think, like, I think the moral is that if you're consulting, that you should take a moment to identify how they would do it. And also, what I think is a very big strength mm. with my consulting is that I share my thoughts and I say to them openly, I go, before we go any further, I'm going to share my thoughts on how maybe I would do it or how I think that you should do it. But ultimately, it is going to be your choice as to whether you do it or not. So that if you don't do it and your show sucks, that's a choice you made. If you did 
make the choice to do it my way and it worked for you, that's also a choice you made. And if, and if you did choose my idea and it sucked, ultimately your choice. But it's your routine, your your magic. You will have you always can say no to anything that I put forward. But just mm. hear me out before you shut it down. That's all I ask. And that served me pretty well. I shared this with um, uh, some friends of mine performing in FISM. And I said that, like, you're working on his FISM act. And, um, you know, he said to me, you're the first person who's said to me that this is mine and I'm in control of my routine. Whereas other people are going like, no, you do this. You have to do it that way. And it was like, I just feel so calm that you let me make my own choices on my routine, my magic. I'm like, of course, it's yours. Mm. My opinion. You know, it's the same reason why I mean, that if I on. ask someone's opinion of my act, yeah, it's the same reason why I ask someone's opinion of of their act, and they start giving me their feedback, and I shut them down. It's just something I'll, I will hear no. what you have to say to the bitter end. And there's been people who ask me to do the same privilege, and as I give my feedback to them, they cut me off, and I just go, "Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you wanted my opinion." Because if you want my opinion, you should hear it before you retort. You know, like we're not so pressed for time; you have to cut me off you know, in a 30 second retort, like take a moment, hear me out and we'll jazz it. Cause I have no ego about what you do or don't do. And if it's, you know, ultimately it's your, I'd rather just air it, try it, than debate about it for 10 minutes. Cause we can air out something, try the routine in 90 seconds, two minutes and have far more progress. And I think that's way more important so for those out there who want to be consultant someday, take that on board. Pro tip, pro tip from Nick K. I'm going to point out a comment here uh, from David Perfect. I guess that's why Frank Oz was used with Del Delgadio. Can you imagine the conversations these two had about how to bring a magic presentation to the successful level of $5 million in ticket sales off Broadway in New York? What? Right. Oh. All right. Yeah. No, no, Frank Derek, Oz, you need I to thought. talk about your mother's suicide. What? In my magic show? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a decision. Like so many decisions. And for those who don't know Frank Oz, including me, really, he's uh, like an actual film director, right? Or like screenwriter or... He directed maybe... a, little, a Little Shop of Horrors. What a great cult classic for me anyway. Right. Bill Murray is in that movie. Steve Martin. Uh, Meatloaf. Is it Meatloaf in that movie? No, that's... Is he in that? Never mind. Rick Moranis, great movie. Adoption Rick of us. Is. Yeah, Rick Moranis is in it. Ah, yeah, he had that. Uh, um, was he Yoda as well? Was he? He wasn't Yoda, was he? Frank Oz. Regardless, you get a Hollywood level director, high high end guy, takes a look at your mm -hmm. magic show, tells you a few things. I guess he ended up being the director. You know, he also had what uh, Patrick Neil Harris on board with this. Really, before that, he did a production with Patrick Neil Harris and Helder Guerra. Ramirez, I can't Ramirez? pronounce the names. Yeah, Ramirez. they did a they did a show together. Nothing to hide. I remember touting this show. They got you know they were doing it at mm. the, the Griffin in L.A. And I said, hey, I'll take a look at the, these two. They got this going on. And then a year later, Delgadio's on his own. I'm like, you go, man. And he got wow. he went. Yeah. You know, there was a comment made. Yeah, uh, last night I was jamming with a good friend, Brennan Dooley in New Zealand, and my friend Byron Black in, in, at the Queensland, and we'll jam a couple of Yoda. ideas. And he was Yoda. For the, for the listeners, he was Yoda. <laughs> um, so mm. we're jamming uh, some of the routines for a show that I'll be doing in, in, uh, in a couple of months. And 
um, one of the things that Brendan Dooley touched upon was um, he goes, this routine's great, but just change this wording, make sure you include this minority, this very small group of people that might think about it in a different way. Um, and I won't get specifics because it's kind of a good broad term to say that take a moment to consider the minority. And the reason I bring that up is that we here in Melbourne have this thing called Magicians at Work where folks spend like a, a I think it's I think it's actually free. Get a free ticket to come to the art center to see magicians try brand new material. And in return, they all get given a piece of paper. You perform your what? act. So for example, I get on stage. Yeah, yeah. So I get on stage and I perform my act and I say, Welcome, yeah. This is a piece that I'm writing for. Blah, blah. Um, quick consensus. Do you guys like seeing stuff that's like crazy, difficult, fast load? And you want to see stuff that's really slow. And they go, We want to see slow stuff. I go, Great. I'm gonna perform this slow. I want you to tell me if it's too slow or if there's anything you don't like about it or anything that particularly stands out. If you think it's great and it's perfect and so just write down, this is lit. Put it in, in the piece of paper and away it goes. And then at the end of it, 70 people see your show. You get 70 pieces of paper and you get to read that of what they thought of your act. And these are genuine so laymen? They're free. just like authentic laity? No, uh, the, no. I would probably say 90% of the folks there are lay. Mm -hmm. So it's really valuable stuff. Yeah. Now, if you use them correctly by saying, I'm going to perform a piece. Like, for example, our friend Don Chambers gets up and he says, if you have any idea on how you think it's done, write this down. Because I'm trying mm. to find, I'm trying to make this as fooling as possible. So everyone has no idea how it's possibly done. So if you can write down how you think it was mm. done, great. <clears throat> like I was performing routines with um, half dollars, uh, which are a smaller size coin for sleight of hand. And I said, I'm, I want to show you this piece, and I want you to tell me if you think the coins are big enough. In this group, six people said, I wish you had bigger coins. And that was enough for me to go, I'm using Morgan now. And now I use Morgan's all the way, which are a larger coin for those listeners out there, um, like an enormous coin, like, which is uh, a little more difficult to do the slide of hand, but if you work on it, it's fine. And so, yeah, it's just, that's the sort of thing you do with it. Um, but just this notion of like uh, identifying the minority, I think is kind of important. And one of the things I'll, that I'll make mention is that at this particular event, one of these performers um, got up on stage and was doing a really spectacular mind reading piece. I actually loved it. But he made a comment um, that is very minor and it used um, some some dice, some die. And, um, you know, one some was- die? Some one, die? Some die? A pair of dice? <laughs> some die, like it was- a die. Yeah, well, three die. <laughs> three Jeez, die. Three. So, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in, in this piece, it was like, take one of them, put it in the box, put two in your pocket. And then he does this revelation, explained that like, oh, you know, those who want to choose a red one might be a little more passionate. Those that choose a black one, are a little bit more sinister, like a criminal. And, um, huh. and one of the directors there, because there's also directors of the show, they said, don't, don't show or, um, equates black criminality. Yeah. Great I mean, that jumped out at me straight away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great point. It's pretty minor. I don't know how many people you, use the white color the fact, you know, white color. Crime. Yeah. But just, just, just the fact that there is like a few people that might not have enjoyed that. It's mm. equally easy. I think, you know, you know, so, I mean, if I was to word it in, 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 in a way, 
off the top of my dome would be something to the effect of like those who choose the black color tend to be a little more sinister by nature, which is why most things um, bad are depicted in black. So, for example, you might look at something like Darth Vader, but I don't think you're that type of person, you know. And then you would go into the next revelation, like yeah, probably like that's that's the way I would frame it because it's just this everything's a theoretical, fictional characters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, yeah, so identifying the minority is pretty important. If you want everyone to be happy, you can't please everyone. I guess if we were to bounce a question off this, is like, I think if you can acknowledge the minority, do so, but the needs mm. or the joys of the many, you know, at the expense of a few. What do you yeah, it's like that idea. Well, it's like, what if you get the same amount of conflicting feedback? Like, like yeah, keep the coins the same. 10 people say that. And then 10 people say, I wish the coins were bigger. You know, that's, that's a very basic example. But what do you do when the ideas conflict and you're supposed to like, what do I do here? I think, I think the answer to that is that not making a change to zero value and making a change is a plus one value. So if I can, if I can add value to my routine, I'll add value by change, making a change. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. All right. What's that? All right, guys. guys. Uh, you know, I was kind of reflecting this guy, uh, Matt Peters, that played devil's advocate about how maybe you ask for the feedback reflects on what feedback you get. And as you're talking about coin size, I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, Nate Lipzig used dimes and pennies sometimes on a vaudeville stage. So, you know, it's probably probably is important how you ask for the feedback you're getting, right? Like, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, like, the- uh, and, and you've got to be willing to accept the feedback too. Like some people might just say, write down if you liked the routine or if you didn't like it, you know, they're yeah. kind of scared to actually hear what they think. So you've got to be willing to ask it in the right way that you get that, like. Yeah, it's kind of like using chat GPT. That's what I'm <laughs> using for all my advice these days. So yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you do magic for your partner, and you're like, "All right, tell me what you think," and you're like, "Ah, oh, here we go." No, you got to be willing to hear no, it. That's a bad idea, always probably. Well, Aaron only likes one magician, so I guess that's hard. Which to- we're going to see Mac. We bought tickets June sixth. Wow. It's on. Uh, yeah, a magic there. show. She'll come and watch with you. Man, she will go see Mac King. Man, I thought he was not going to be there. He's there. I'm going. First time in Vegas seeing Mac. Couldn't be happier. What about Michael uh, Cavanaro? I saw he's taking over the the Penn and Teller Theater while yeah. they're away on. Yeah, I mean, UK I'd go tour. see him. I'd go see every damn one of them, even Shin Lim, damn it. But I, I don't have that much money. But I can, you know, pick one and go see Mac. You know who I'd go see second? Um, he's at the theater with Kevin Lapine, who I'd get free tickets to. So I wouldn't pick Kevin. But Mike Hammer is reportedly mm. the funniest show, magic show in Vegas. And, you know, this is on my radar, stand-up comedy guy. Yeah, like, I like the stage stuff too, but I want a guy who works the real stuff, right? You know, out of, you know, stand-up, out-of-the-pockets comedy. And Mike Hammer in Fre- on Fremont, Four Queens, supposedly is spectacular. Bob Possible's in the audience tonight. I'm wondering if Bob saw uh, Mike Hammer when he was there, or if you guys have seen him. Or anyone my, in the audience. Yeah. I mean, my introduction to him was on Fool Us when he did a uh, color match with the, the blow-up doll. That was hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my yeah. introduction well, to him, and I thought that was... A, I mean, you know, that's a sense of his character, I guess. 
Yeah. And, but look where he's working, Fremont Street, right? You're packing them in off the Fremont area, which is the crazy part of Las Vegas. You're going to yeah. have a little bit of razzmatazz in your zing. I know Mike and Chris are, are good friends with them. Um, Mike and Chris from Showman and the Naked Magicians. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. And so I always see him popping up in stuff in comments mm -hmm. and things like that. He was in the Chris Angel show, show recently, you know, and Chris Angel show is stinking up the joint. He pulled in some talent and, and Mike Hammer was one of the guys he pulled in to liven up the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, he's that level. Did you guys see um, the Chris's, Chris Angel show at, like, the Bucks? The Mysteria, his biography show. I don't even know if that's still going on. I think they closed it. No. I'm not sure if it was that Mysteria? One, like, it, was it's, that one? It's, I wish I could remember. It was too many years ago, but um, it's a very large theater, and the routines are very, very strong. Um, Look, I'd love to see Chris's show. As you, I would love to see that show. It's a, and you know what? The reason I saw it was I was talking with Penn, and he said that it was the best show on the strip. He I'm, said it was the I'm, I'm in. And I said, I'm in, but it's like this. I'm yeah. $400 for a ticket right now. It's like, I can't do that, Chris. Maybe, wow. you know, I don't know what it costs, but I'm just saying, you know, we're, we're going to see a yeah. couple shows. By the time I'm on my mm -hmm. third or fourth show, I don't have $400 to spend on tickets anymore. And Chris is right, third it. or fourth gotcha. on the list. So, you know. we're, starting, we're starting a Kickstarter for uh, Doug's <laughs> Vegas or, this, or if you know anybody in Vegas that doesn't hate me, you know, hook a brother up. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I know some guys that used to work for Chris, but they hate me now. So I don't know if I can ask them for favors. <laughs> of course, everyone hates Chris Angel now, so maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I just have to go right to Chris and be like, yo, Chris, I know everyone hates you, but I don't. I'd like to see your show. And then after that, I'll talk well, shit about well, him the next day. That's the great opening. Yeah. I thought it was I a mean, brilliant you know, show. And I guys, thought that he was, he was lovely. And it was also during a time where his son was very ill and was doing all mm. these things where, mm. you know, he's like, if you do this, you can come to my house, spend like an entire weekend there. It's a tank privilege, but you pay for that and you can live with me and I'll teach you all my trick, my tricks are done and this and this and this. And at the end of the, the end of the show, it all, he always seemed very, very lovable, very lovable. And yeah. Um, you know, even just the theater as you walk in, he's got like these motorcycles all in glass cages. He's got photographs with every single person he's performed with, like him and Tyson, him and this person, him and that person. Like he was just. Yeah, now I want to wow. go to see like Chris Angel. There's no way I'm getting Aaron to go see Chris Angel. There's no way. I'll have to go by myself. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll go on a killer and, run I mean, on a poker table and I'll just dump all that money in a front row Chris Angel seat. That's my. That's going to be my plan. Yeah, right. I want a heater. It was phenomenal. Like, like the production was phenomenal as well. Like, is in like the lights. Like, he's got like a live band playing guitar, like really rock and roll. Yeah. He's like, well, his, his initial shows were very much that. He had a heavy metal show in his early days that used to play mm -hmm. at the World Wrestling Federation Theater in underground Times Square, New York. I've talked about this wow. before on this show. Chris Angel's early theater days, Times Square. WWE theater and he did a rock and roll show. If you can find his early TV specials, you'll see some of this come to life. And mm. it's like 92, maybe. I don't know. 92 Chris wow. Angel. It was a unique oh, his levitation phenomenal as well, Doug. Like, I mean, I know that like it's basically off the back of you know Copperfield, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it is such a beautiful I've seen scene. most and of he that. Does it so well. Yeah. Like definitely the, like the trailer. Really the, the trailer I got to see from it just looked insane mm -hmm. and i think he talked about it a little bit when he did a um penguin lecture 
think it was a penguin lecture or a Murphy's Magic lecture, where he was basically on stage and getting Q and A'd. And I think they showed a snippet from there too. But like, it looks insane, and I would definitely see it. But when, when the theater was built, it had more LED screens than any theater in Vegas, which is saying a lot, right? Yeah, like if you got and, more lights than any show in Vegas, and you're the magic show. Mm, well, wow. Okay. Yeah, and and you know, yeah. and Chris he talked about that in the lecture I watched, and he basically said. You know, in Vegas, they have the biggest conventions in the world for like tech and lighting and things. So he would go to there, he would go there Makes and sense. he would essentially get it for free in a way that he's now advertising all the tech in the shows from this company or whatever. If that's okay. true, like that's so smart. Look, you know? the guy busts his hiding. No, I ought to give, you can't take that from him for sure. You know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like just saying what you what you just said. He takes the time, goes sees the tech, implements it. You know, yeah. Uh, Remarkably, I so I saw his show and then I saw Copperfield's last. And Copperfield's venue, by comparison, is just sparse. But it's intimate, my though, right? God. Oh, it's just phenomenal. A friend of mine reminds me all the time where he was performing even the first piece. He goes, my favorite moment of the whole Vegas was like he did his first vanish, and you looked at me and you were like pointing your finger on the table like this. And I'm getting and goosebumps. You're talking about it. I'm remembering it, and I'm getting goosebumps remembering <laughs> yeah. the show right yeah. now. And, I mean, literally. Yeah. It's and I turned to my friend. Yeah, and I turned to my friend. And I just went, "This, this is magic. This." That's what I was saying to him. <laughs> Stupid card tricks and gorgeous. There's like, breathtaking man. moments in that show that are just like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Yeah. Me? Like, come on. Yeah. Did you do you have those feelings in the Chris Angel show? Did you feel like it was, oh, or was it like that's cool, but it's it's a string, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, the UFO's on a string, but it's eight hundred feet big and it flies off the stage. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's that's a phenomenal piece. I think. I think the grandeur of. Um, Critch's show was like pretty phenomenal. Like so, so as far as my shows went, like I saw, I saw some stuff with the underground with Bizarro and um, mm, our good friends, the fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and great show, great show. And I got to sit with Rudy Kobe and a bunch of others, and I just felt like you were in good company. You were making people. good choices. I was in out great there. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it made some wonderful friends, and and Bizarro, uh, you know, used to be very good friends with my, my mentor. So. Bizarro is just way too kind. You know, if I, while we're name dropping, I, I went out to lunch with Bizarro last time when we were there. I had some sushi with him and Kevin Lapine. I hope I get to see him again. We go back a long He's way. Like when he was in Texas, he would come to New Orleans and hang out at the house, you know, before mm. before Vegas was even oh, yeah, on his I, radar. Yeah, well, I'm sure you would know um Dwayne, Dwayne Andrew or Doc Doc Andrew. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Sure. I know Dwayne. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah he's an Aussie. Well, I forget that. Dwayne's yeah, your guy? He's, he's only wow. for me. Yeah, Dwayne, well, he's my mentor. He's like, he makes up so much of my magic DNA. Like, I honestly feel like I'd be nothing without him. Like, it's, it's, that's so cool. Awesome. Did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah, I forget he's there. Kevin Bacon. That's effectively Kevin <laughs> yeah, Bacon. Yeah, it's like, like that. There's only a few steps before everyone knows Doug Khan. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm but, pretty um, sure the first time you came on here, Nick, you were like, oh, my mentor says hi to you, Doug. Yeah, oh yeah, that that's was... right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yes, yes, 
But that was like I have short-term you know, memory loss, so I get, to relive, been, I get yeah. to relive moments in my life. Well, that might have been like fifty episodes ago, so it's it's okay, Doug. <laughs> yeah, good point. So so back to my point, we were watching um like we saw a few shows. Chris Angel, then from Chris Angel went to Copperfield, and then from Copperfield came to Oz, and I was gifted some tickets to see Dynamo at the Rod Laver Arena. Which you know, in, every in enormous rock concert. No, here in Melbourne. Uh oh, right, right, right. And yeah, I saw, I saw the yeah. Brisbane version of that. You saw the Brisbane equivalent, right? Comparatively, Dynamite show compared to what you see in Vegas. Obviously, it being a touring show, so it's forgivable. But honestly, for the price point and the amount of people there, I it was so underwhelming comparatively. Compared, it's a good show. I'm not going to stand to that, but compared comparatively when you look at like what Copperfield and Chris Angel are doing in their shows, it is staggering the variance between the two. Yeah. I can it only is. fathom. Pleasure. I mean, I mean, yeah. And really, you know, a large arena show isn't what we grew up loving Dynamo for to begin with. You know, it's mm. just that if he's going to do a show, he's got to do it in a big ass place because everyone wants to see him. And, um, you know, Harry and uh, Tom Elderfield and Dan, who like produced it, like obviously they put together something great, but he was doing some crazy stuff like cars appearing, he was levitating in the air, all this stuff. But the thing that people got most excited for, and I think, I wonder if it was the same for you, Nick, but like the thing people got the most excited for was like his close up, like his, uh, you know, the, 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 what do you call it? French kiss that he did with a person in the audience and like, He's like, let's give this the dynamo shuffle. And everyone gets excited because he's in the crowd doing this dynamo shuffle while uh, dancing. Like, Was this televised or just? Uh, uh, it was broadcasted think- afterwards. Yes, it hmm. was. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They edited it together into was- a television production. Probably could have. Yeah, like the graphics in the show, the animations in the show and, and stuff were, were pretty wild, were pretty cool too. They gave it like this sort of um, Marvel comic feeling um, on his backstory. But anyway, my point was like, yeah, big grandiose things, but the stuff that people actually got excited about were the, the stuff we love seeing him do anyway, mm-hmm. which is close-up magic, uh, which were yeah. essentially watching him do um, on a screen, like on TV. You know. I'll tell you, we were reflecting back in David's show. His show feels very much that way. Like he's in the audience over half the time. I felt during this illusion spectacle, doing you know moments yeah. with the audience. Yeah. Well, he's just a machine. The way his team moves around the audience yeah. and sets up the next thing—that's insane. It's actually insane. Well, he did that on the road too. Imagine doing that on the road, three hundred fifty days a year, whatever tour schedule he used to keep. That was when mm-hmm. it was really hard. That's. And that's the point I want to make. When you look at something like, you know, when you are doing arenas, that's on the road, but there should just should just be a higher caliber or a higher expectation of yourself to do it that big. Like, yeah. Um, someone mentioned earlier in the chat that they, they'd seen Matt Franco's show, and I'd seen it too. And um, whilst I was there, like I saw, I think I saw like Ooh, Matt King, that's... and I saw Franco, and I just I saw like everything. I was there for a while, you know. And Matt Franco's show is a good show. I really enjoyed it. He's super lovable, totally. But I also think that it would be an amazing Melbourne Magic Festival show, and it would work in a Spiegel tent. There was nothing entirely right. that he did that needed 
such a large arena and and such like you know like such a large every you know like he did a couple of interactions with a screen whatever else everything he did could ultimately be, be performed at like a corporate and that's not a slander right because love this show and i love him so much like especially with this thinking he's lecture at magic live as well as also awesome which is why i went and saw his show um, and my favorite piece of his is that one where he does the phone in like uh, it was part of a, a AGT act where he's a, a phone appears in the seat, like in the audience. Mm. Like, yeah, oh, right. are you kidding me? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. And, Matt's and got chops. Let's not, he's got super chops. Matt Franco. does. I too. love him. Yeah, I do love him. So no, but much. here's what I'm right, thinking. So as you say this, oh, you got more. Go. You got more with this. Not at all. Just like it's not a slander. It's that like when you yeah. comparatively, as you go down the line, you look at it and you go, different. The different shows. I don't yeah. think makes one better than the other. You just need to appreciate that you're seeing very different shows, and one doesn't. As I was watching other, Matt Franco you know? win America's Got Talent, I was thinking this: this is the beauty of the art we have performed well. Yeah. I would say mediocrely well. Like Matt's good, right? Like you're saying good people love it perform good so when it's great wow come on and you know mm. we just need more great magicians out there so the world can see the art form that we have uh because yeah they see good magic performed by a pleasant individual clean cut handsome you know and affable we love this we love this well mm. imagine that with a little more point of view to it you know ah <sighs> We're out there, but yeah, hey, go yeah. Matt, go. I, I would go see Matt too, but he'd be probably like number six. I think I'd go, I don't know, I don't want to, yeah, probably six. Yeah, it's a, hey, it's a great show. I really enjoyed it. It's a big venue, huh? It's like huge, right? Is it big? I literally had to, like, I was lucky enough to get tickets and I was literally sat in the back left, like with my back against the wall, and I still yeah. enjoyed it thoroughly. And yeah, yeah, okay. he he performed some some beautiful pieces. It was annoying because I had this idea for an opener, which he actually had the budget to be able to achieve, and it looks amazing. I was like, "What if you had oh. this projectors?" Blah blah blah. I won't spoil it, but if you see it, you just go, "Oh, sick!" Like it's so good. Damn, it's so good. Yeah. I really appreciate then, these guys because they're good for magic and they're good for us. I think they're the reason I get booked as much as I do, you know? Like, Constantino here in Australia, like he's, the, he's the number one forefront. Front, so it's like, you know, I actually, I did a show with him, uh, like a roving gig with him at this big, big opening of, a, of this um, home theater center. And I was performing with him like three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like, the guy is good for magic. He's really good for magic. Yeah, I mean, here in Queensland, he's always doing. Uh, he's always doing the Dream World school holiday tour. Like he'll be here touring. He'll do like a run of shows at Dream World. On the back of that, then he'll like perform at the casino on the Gold Coast, and he'll like. He's always here, mm -hmm. always. Even even um, you know, I I I, I don't want to compare Showman in any way to Cosentino, but in Canberra, he was in that same theater only three months beforehand. Um, before our show and we were worried because when that first was released the theater couldn't tell us they weren't allowed to tell us um that he was booked in to be there because they had some embargo whatever you call it contract thing um so when we found out he'd been there three months before us we were like kind of worried we we're like oh crap are people going to want to come back and see more magic 
Um, but I think it didn't affect it or it ha- probably helped it where people must have seen it and then people were still just as keen to see more magic um, in such a short amount of time. So I agree. Good for magic. I still haven't met the guy. Show? But, you know, I haven't been able to see him work uh, yet. No, not yet. I haven't seen his full production yet. And it's always so difficult because, you know, when you want to see your friends, I've got a friend, Luke Hocking, who has a show here in town and it's been selling out since the open. It's been, I think nearly a decade. And I've, as a performer, I'm gigging every weekend too. So like, I what's the, what's the venue? I'm curious. What's he selling out every week? 20 seats, 50, 300. It's like a Hilton hotel, right? Correct. Correct. I'm not sure how many seats I, I, I know very little, um, but I think it's just like a stand sort of, um, what do you call it? Type it's, it's like a very, you know, I've been just, sold out 10 years running, but it's only it, four seats. No, it's like a, it's like a Steve Cohen vibe, Doug. It's like a parlor yeah. show, intimate yeah, I, experience, I, 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 probably like 60 seats or something like that. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, but yeah. he's been running that for so guys, long now and so successfully. So long. Yeah. If you scope it out on his, it's like impossible occurrence as it's called. And it, it, people right. love it. They think it's an absolute kicker show. And I, and I so regretfully have not an opportunity to see it. Like, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. Like I had an opportunity to see you guys up in Queensland. So your amazing performance up there, Josh, like you're late, you know, cause I was up there oh. doing a couple of courses. Well, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I'm yeah. guilty as can be with New Orleans. Right. There's so much going on here that I don't go see, you know, where I should be going to see variety entertainment every day of the week, you know? And I'm like, Oh, mm. I guess I did a lot more of it when I was younger, but now it's kind of hard to get me out of the house past 7 PM. Takes, takes a little, you know, <laughs> a little nudge, a little bit, a little poke with a fire stick. Um, yeah, well, it, David it's hard. That's an interesting question. Should we address that? What? What's the question? Mm, up to you. I'm gonna. Mm, well, I I don't I don't know. And you're you're in Queensland, so I thought if anyone's gonna be able to answer that, it'd be you on your side of the planet. Okay, let me let me yeah sure let me um let me just find the right question he's asking. This one, right? What about Matt oh. Hollywood? Is he still oh. working? Is that the question? Oh, that guy. That's the question. Yeah, look, um, wait, Matt. Doug, Matt actually. Wait, before you answer that. Yeah. What do you know about Matt Hollywood, Doug? Like, I'm just, I'm just playing along. I, I know this. His oh, okay. last name's Hollywood. <laughs> when you, when you claim the last name of Hollywood, it's going downhill from there. But uh, let's hear about Matt Hollywood. No, so Matt, Matt actually, he came to. Oh, I saw him uh, last. With all due respect two- to Matt Hollywood, I'm joking, man. If you're listening, I'm just joshing around. <laughs> That's what's happening right. Well, now. he did used to be a police officer, so you might come mess your shit up, Doug. That's cool. Cops love <laughs> no, it. Nice. Um, he came to see our show at QPAC, um, and uh, and congratulated all of us. And you know, he's still going strong with his shows at Sanctuary Cove. He's had that show running now for upwards of five years it might be closer to that's 10 awesome, years now though. that's so good yeah 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 I, I thought he bought a that, place and moved away and um daniel carr was actually doing a couple of spots in his theater as well he okay. did get uh like a parlor show venue um during covid he did sort of set up a parlor show like after dinner thing on the gold coast um like in mm. surface but I'm just going to Google it now while uh, it's fresh in my mind because I'm pretty sure I still see all the same ad- advertisements for Sanctuary Cove. Um, 
the Village Theatre, Masshead, Hope Island, Sanctuary Cove. Yeah, so yeah, I think that was an additional thing, the thing that you're mentioning, Nick. But he's right. still, yeah, so he puts on this this Illusion Theatre show, um, still going strong. And uh, yeah, he came to see um, Showman. And uh, yeah, when, when we first started Showman, he sold one of his big uh, upside down escape illusions to Apollo, who's in the show. So originally, Matt came to see the show, hoping to see this big upside down escape in in the in the show, because Matt never used it that I'd seen, and um, he was hoping Apollo would use it. And anyway, the rigging just turned out to be a nightmare, so we we didn't end up going that way. But um, he's still going strong, so you still got time to to fly here and see him, David. That's that's what that is. And you also asked about Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor introduced me to him with a wink in his eye back at the old school Super Day. What's Sean Taylor up to? Maybe you know a bit more about that, Nick. It, Sean's doing a lecture tour at the moment. He was only here a week ago um, sharing the beautiful magic he creates. Uh, he uh. is one of my most favorite people. Um, and the GenieCon convention, which he puts together, Honest to God, it is the best convention ever. Like, what's the I name of it? The what convention? GenieCon. GenieCon. Yeah, it's a good it name for is, a con. It is so great. Like, I literally have never had so much fun at any convention ever. Like, I've done Magic Live like half a dozen, and I had way more fun at his one. Like, why is that? Just why why do you think that is? Wow. I don't even know. I think it was just the vibe that the, there was a level of openness. I think the fact that like all, all our friends were coming from all around Australia, which made it a little bit more accessible. Um, I've set up these yeah. friendships from those conventions with these guys, you know, from all over, like, you know, and, and generally like on Mondays, you've got friends in Tasmania and, and you name it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just great that we can all get together and be in one space. You know what I mean? Um, I also had the pleasure of being a star lecturer at that one as well, which was really awesome. And that uh, first one we did was in a place called Rooty Hill, sexy place. And um, <laughs> the facilities were amazing. It was really good. We had an absolute blast. Um, you know, I set up my friendships with people like Eddie Colusi and, you know, who I'd met for the first time. And these are all just friendships that I now have. You know what I mean? Like these are all lovely, lovely people. And, um, I also was there with people like, you know, Silly Billy, David Kay, um, Levant, he was there. Um, Joe Barry, who is one of the amazing card guys I've ever yes. seen. If you don't know beast. who Joe Barry is. It, he doesn't get out much, right? He doesn't get, he's no. not a name you hear a lot about, but yeah, that guy kills. Joe Barry's a name where it's like, if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. Is Barry he even associating magic. with magicians currently? I, I must be at these going to magic conventions, but he's not producing material like, say, Ben Earl, who would be a comparable level thinker, I, I would say. Yeah, but I I fail to find someone who compares to him. The, if I had to describe him, imagine like um, Kennedy Ortiz, but like... Yeah, I'm thinking... Uh, um, like a super... Like, like a super spy English... Yeah, sexy uh, man. Uh, Grace, level one. Is it what? Um, the creator's last name is Grace. He created level one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a similar Christian level. Grace? Christian Grace. Yes, he's a devious card man. You know who operates kind of 
beating his own drums. Mm. Didn't yeah. he just bring out uh, Scribe? Was it called Scribe? I'll bring out, but didn't he? Mm. It's you know, when I, things come out, I don't look at them. I look for the things that don't come out mm. anymore. When things come to market, I'm like, not even going to look. I don't even care. You know, it's like, I, don't I mean, know. really? You, you, really? Doug just Doug only knows about it when Murphy sends it to him. Like, no, Here's some stuff. no, it's like <laughs> it's, the pain threshold has been reached to where I can't stand it any longer. I just don't look at anything new. <laughs> just don't even look. Well, why is why is that, Doug? I mean, there's I'll read a book. Thing. Okay, like it's been two years of buying okay. all the new stuff. That's what it's from. Operating ah, from a wholesale right. end and seeing how much is released, and then going, "Are you kidding me with this?" Hey, there's guys doing it right, and yeah, uh, Grace is one of them. He puts out a couple things a year, not like he's not flooding the market. But man, mm. if you look at all of it, you start think, getting crusty. But isn't it? I think it's just kind of nice. I try to equate it to this. If I were a builder or a, or a, like someone who just is a fixer upper around the house and I'm just going to the hardware store, I'm going to Bunnings or whatever the equivalent is around the planet and you just go, I'm going to look around and just see what's there and then see this tool, this one tool. Yes. And what it does is it drills a hole and lays pipe in there at the same time. Like it's this utility that does its thing. So and good, it's like, right? I don't need it. I don't need it, right? But- like I might someday, but now I know it exists. So I love looking at magic in the same way because I look at utilities and go, that's exactly what I need to cut. Now out. imagine a magic, a service that sold products that had even one level of filter between the consumer and the producer. Home, Home Depot sells stuff that's been vetted to their product line. People say this is good. Oh, we'll sell it. Magic mm. producers will sell anything they can sell. We need uh we need a version of that magicians at work. But for so, products. You know. Er. <laughs> There's gonna be a vetting <laughs> process for that, right? Like, okay, uh, here, here's what it is. Like, yeah, I think I think the stuff that makes it to the public view in a in a magic shop, you know, you go to a place like Penguin, just opened a magic shop in Columbus, Ohio, the Penguin Magic Shop. I bet if you go in there and take a look at what's in the counter and the stuff you get demoed mm. to, you're going to be pretty happy with the screw that fits in the hole that you're looking for, right? It's not going to be some horrible junk. But if yeah. you order off the website blindly, if you go to penguin.com, just be like, that sounds cool. Dirt, dirt, dirt. You know. So I guess yeah. this. If you got if you can see it live, that's your vetting process. But as far as ordering it because True. they say it's going to work, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, especially if it has the well, Sands Mine stamp on it. E. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm well, saying yeah. that. Case is. in point. Case in point. And there's numerous companies yeah. exactly like that one and numerous more you'll never hear about, but Murphy's is still selling their crap because I get, I, get, mm. I get ads for it every day. They just don't break yeah. through. I mean, are there any bricks and mortar left? Besides, is Hey Presto still around in Sydney? Like, here's the beautiful. We have. Oh, you're talking Aussie. You know what I, I love is that Vanishing in, in Ink is Vanishing Ink is opening brick and mortars, and I would love to that's, see them open a thousand of them. That's what I would. Yeah, that's a thousand right. Vanishing Inks across the world. Please bring it. There. Yeah, that's amazing that they're opening up. I mean, that and I'm sure they'll do it the right way too. Um. The, the oh yeah so it's called the art of conjuring magic store now i think but it's uh 
still exists in Sydney, so that's great. They open at 12 today, obviously oh, having Clement's a slow store. start. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. And because um, I think Adam Maxford was working there for a while. I don't know. I'm sure someone else is there now. But, um, yeah, I was going to well, mention that. Think, I think to your point, I also think that, like, if you are going to have, like, if there is bricks and mortars out there, sure. Like, we can almost appreciate that maybe it costs six or seven bucks extra to go into a store and do that. And I think it's totally worth it just to have a hub and a place that you can go there and jam. I remember even being in New York and going to Tannins and meeting mm. this kid, showing me this trick. And he was, and I was just like, no, like, let's do it like this. Like, and now all of a sudden your trick has meaning. And he was like, I love this. And he got his pen out and wrote it down. I remember his name, his name was Holden. He was a great kid. I might never meet him again. I don't even think he like, we set up a friendship in any way, but I hope that he's performing this trick and goes, I met this crazy guy from Australia that I bumped into at Tannins who shared this nugget with me. And now I perform this as like my closing piece. Like, I love this is, that. This is why we need magic thing. shops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we're not supporting it. You know what I mean? Like it's that type of thing. You know, it's like magic shops are like the WNBA. Everyone's like, we need it, we need it, we need it, and then we give it to you, and then support it. You know, you have a twenty thousand yeah. seat well, arena and fifteen hundred people rock up. So I yeah. guess what I'm really saying is we need to discover new ways for people to uh, find these kinds of moments to share. We're discovering them. Like for example, after this, I'll be hanging out with some guys in a Discord server. You know. Five or six mm. or ten magicians hanging around. So things like that are happening magic. where information's exchanged. And it's not a Saturday at the magic shop, but it's not dissimilar, you know. That's right. Podcast, Discord. Yeah. And even and even though in Brisbane we don't have a brick and mortar shop, Piper Magic, which is our go-to, is still like that's the place I support and will always order my stuff from, even though Sean, he could make a brick and mortar shop. And I, I swear I'd be there like every week, you know, because <laughs> if I know he has the yeah. stuff that I'm ordering from him anyway, but I can go in and look, I want like, one again in my time. life. I, you know, I've had one, I've worked in one minute. I've worked, I've spent a third of my life in magic shops, long story short, a third of my life. And I want to be in another mm -hmm. one again, but I don't want it to be my, in my livelihood. You know, I just want to have it, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just there and it's mine and, I yeah, just, you know, yeah. I think that's, uh, a good, I don't, I, that's a good point, Doug. I, th I think if, if you are opening a magic shop or like a magic school with going, I'm going to use this to make all this money, I think that you got the wrong mindset. I feel like having a magic shop or a school or something of that nature is what you do once you've made your money. And yeah. I, I'm Cellini, one of my great mentors in life, Cellini, the great king of street performers. He, man, he was speaking so passionately this night. And some night he would just like be about the art. And he said, Doug, there should be four magic shops on the world in the world. That's it. One in each corner of the globe. That's where the students go to learn. Mm, just four magic shops. Thought. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting thought. Well, you know, and that, this is a down. pure artist point of view, and he was a real magician, you know. And, yeah, if you wanted mm. real magic to be really good, do that. Well, I think that leans into, like, where we should all be learning our magic from. Should You know, originally it was handed down from, you know, like, for example, it would be like me sharing my knowledge with a young magician and going, here's everything I know, go forth, you know, and things were played. Now we have the ability to get it from books and uh, social media and YouTube, um, too, you know, too and many places. reasons for and against a lot of places, yeah. um, which is not a bad thing because I don't know. 
it's it can be for magic because there's so much to learn. And I see this with new students that they're trying to learn everything at once and having a hard time focusing on those mm. 10 tricks that are going to make you a good magician. So, yeah. Uh, Nick, do, do you remember, do you remember when uh, Vin, Vin Yang had the uh, encyclopedia of magic the online learning website? No, maybe like, maybe like 10, 10 years ago or something. That was the first time I found somewhere that I could actually learn via like a structure. Because what you're saying, Doug, is so true. Even back then, before there was so much more learning material now, is that I forget that sometimes. It's that the hardest thing was knowing like what things am I meant to learn first, you know, before learning the next thing. Or So you're just kind of jumping around to these random things and then you go, oh, but to do this, I have to be able to do this other move. I don't know. What the hell is that? All right, now I've got to learn this and kind of going backwards. And But Encyclopedia Magic was like, all right, first, here's foundations. And here's like, you know, five ways to vanish a coin. And here's five ways to produce them and da, da, da. And then here's some routines with them. And it was like, holy crap, this is great. Um, and that's so definitely lacking when, when you're first learning. It's super helpful to have a mentor that's put something in a, you know, organized format i see in the comments you know people reflecting that's my problem i'm i'm trying everything it's okay to do that at the beginning and it's fun to play and i still do that right like i've got a hundred things going on i don't know what i'm gonna do with and that's just part of the fun of being a magician i think is playing in that Mm -hmm. sandbox but please have your 10 tricks have 10 good ones before you do the other stuff Someone should start a school of magic and it's like, you're not allowed to touch gimmicks until you've like learned, you know, X, Y, and Z. of. Uh, let's not be narrow-minded. Nah, because uh, some people won't ever use a gimmick. Why would we, let's not be narrow-minded. I'm saying before you what? use something you'd find at the beach with your coin magic, you have to learn, you know, this, this, and this routines. And then you can learn about this stuff. I'm just saying, if I had a school, well, I'd, you know, beat them into it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't disagree with that. I've been doing coin magic for 15 years and only now am I starting to use gimmicks in my sets. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, you you sort of go like the young magician when the moment someone uses a gimmick, they look at like the older folks or the more professional magicians typically as they they are, they've been around a bit longer and they'll go, oh, but they, but they use gimmicks. And then all the old folks just laugh at the young one. Yeah, it's like yeah. my, my, my favorite new trick lately is brainwave. <laughs> you know, I've added that into my <laughs> into my set recently. I talk about my favorite yeah. new trick. That thing created in 1930. <laughs> That's my new fave. Yeah. Like an example would be you shouldn't be using gimmicks in the Rubik's Cube realm if you can't solve a Rubik's Cube. You know what I mean? Agreed. Agreed. And I've seen that happen. Um and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I've, I've, you know, this new thing is really awesome, but I ha- had to stop for a while because <clears throat> I accidentally mixed up my cube, and now I gotta like watch a oh. tutorial to like fix it. <laughs> like, bro, that's wrong. For, You've done for that guide, in for guiding the student, though, I wouldn't say you have to learn slides first. If you want to set a, you have to learn something. I'd say this: you have to learn how to intrigue your audience's intellect, and then you can learn methods. But let's learn how to present an idea to an audience so that they're interested in what you have to say. And now we can talk like about that. whatever secret method you want to use. Uh, you're approaching it as a professional. I like it. I mean, if we're going to well, set, you know, pathways, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. 
I think what I like about that is that it's it's like saying that you have three colors, red, green, and blue, and you can only paint with these three colors, right? So then you start painting, and then you realize that, hang on a second, if I get some blue and some red, I can make purple. That's great. And I've got this idea. So all of a sudden, just by through your own practice and creativity, it's kind of great, you know? It's something as simple as saying to someone like, okay, I want you to come up with a routine using these three moves, see how many things you can come up with. You to music, you can say, here are three chords, show me how many songs you can write with three chords. But then you start mm -hmm. using different things, different strumming techniques, card drumming, dampening, things of that nature. Like if you're playing guitar, for example, like it's this idea that you can do more with less if you're creative with it. And I think that, you know, I've got, I've, I've been able to get 10 minutes out of a Mercury card fold and mm. that's 10 entertaining <laughs> laugh every minute. You know, and and you know when you're learning guitar, you learn the main chords before you start putting on a, a whatever you call it on halfway up the guitar and start learning bloody Lincoln Cable. Park thing. Yeah, before you get like you got to learn, you know, your C's and your G's and your all those kind of things, right? Before you start going crazy, and I'm not even going to use the strumming. I'm just going to do crazy. Diddle, 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 before you've even learned <laughs> exactly, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> if you could just do that one more time for the viewers, I'm not doing course. it again. No, I used no. it all up right there. I'm not doing it again. <sighs> no, no do overs. Learn to, you have to edit it learn in post. To use a guitar, learn to use a guitar pick before you use your teeth. That's what we're that's yeah. all we're saying, okay, guys. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Ah, uh, great. So what is coming up for you, Nick, this week? Got, uh, oh, I was going to say as well, props to you. I've noticed you putting up a lot of content lately. Like you've been, I've been seeing your videos showing up on Insta, photos from gigs. Is this intentional or is it you're just working a lot more and you're just putting up? No, I've, I've, I'm working all the same. I'm just uh, mm. through the conversation I've had with you guys uh, have been trying to get the infrastructure ready to do that. So having folks that I can lean on to come to gigs with me with cameras, etc. Um, I bought one of those 360 cameras that Doug speaks so highly of. I got that X3, um, and I, you know, I have folks filming me at, at gigs, and I tried different microphones and things of that nature, um, and then just you know paying for the privilege, but just finding the resources is difficult for me. And so I basically started compiling everything together and I've been using a product called Metricool. I think it's called Metricool. What's that? And it's, oh, it is a scheduling uh, software. So hmm. you can basically sit there on a Monday and then just get your posts organized for the week. Oh, okay then. Just schedule it like at 5 p.m. at this time, put this picture up and then walk away. Um, and so I've been automating all this stuff uh, to practice it and whatever else because I'm trying to free up my time doing That's so smart. what I do. So, Man. yeah. So, can't even comprehend so downloading trying... the app, much less using it. Oh, it's online. It's online. <laughs> so you literally sit in on your computer and you just drop and drag stuff in, say, this time on my Instagram, post this, Wooshka, and away you go. So I, um, as you, it's probably just been the past couple of weeks. Like I'm experimenting a whole bunch, and I have no idea what I'm doing. But no one does. It. No one does out there so for I'm the most part. You just wing it. <laughs> Freaking fake it. Yeah. You'll make it. Stay consistent yeah. Yeah, so and keep just... learning. That's the key. 
Yeah. So I'm just sort of freestyling through it, seeing what sticks and just experimenting and playing with it, just playing with it. And um, I'm hoping that people get a laugh out of it in the process. You know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. I've been enjoying watching it and uh, I look forward to seeing more, man. It's good stuff. I think that's almost all we have time for today, kids. But thankfully, Nick is going to be back again next week. And we have a guest locked in for next week, too. We'll Who's keep, here? Keep you guys posted for that. Oh, that. And yeah, yeah. But, hey, I forgot to do this last time, but I won't forget this time. And uh, as Nick says, learn to play guitar with a pick before you use your teeth. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys.